The Bible reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 9 and reading from verses 24 to 28. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 to 28, which can be found on page 1207 of the Church Bible. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year, with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Thank you, Harold, very much. Let's pray together now. Father, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through the Bible this morning. Uh, Help us to understand these words of yours and help us to uh, uh, make sure that with your help, they change our lives for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, this morning we meet to remember and to give thanks And we meet with thankfulness, of course, for the sacrifice of the many. But because we're a a Christian church, we also meet with thankfulness for the sacrifice of the one. And so this morning, we're uh, we're thinking of this, uh, first of all, uh, thankfulness for the sacrifice of the many, but also thankfulness for the sacrifice of the one. So Roman orator Cicero said, uh, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parents of all the others. And so this morning, I hope and I trust that our hearts will be overflowing and filled to overflowing with gratitude. And as we enjoy living in the UK, at peace, generally speaking, with our world, we're reminded of um, actually a Vietnamese proverb I came across. Uh, when eating fruit, think of the person who planted the tree. And so this morning, Remembrance Sunday, we remember, if you like, the tree planters. Those who uh, gave of themselves. And we remember with gratitude those who by their sacrifice enabled the society which we enjoy today. And given the uh, relatively recent withdrawal of the UK troops from Afghanistan over 20 years, 2001 to 2021, uh, we will remember perhaps especially the 457 who gave their lives during that time in Afghanistan. 405 of those dying uh, as a result of hostile action. And uh, today we don't just remember those who gave their lives but also the 616 who were injured or seriously injured, some with life-changing injuries during that time. And, of course, we'll remember those who gave their lives, who made that sacrifice 
in the great world wars, the first world war and the second world war and many other conflicts as well, Falklands, Bosnia, Iraq and so on. So thankfulness for the sacrifice of the many and thankfulness for the sacrifice of the one. And there are three things that I'd like to say about this sacrifice. First of all, it is a sacrifice uh, for others. And I want to talk about how the sacrifice for others is there in war. Yes, of course it is. But it is also there in Jesus, the one, as he gave himself for us. So we're thinking, first of all, uh, the sacrifice for others and in war. There's just something brutally almost touchingly awful about war, isn't there? C.S. Lewis wrote this once. She was beautifully, delicately made, so still, so unafraid, till the bomb came. Bombs are the same, beautifully, delicately made. But as we remember people and giving their making that sacrifice, um, when it's people you see on television, maybe one thing, when it's people you know or people who maybe you know their parents or maybe you went to the same school or maybe you know their children or their widow, it all comes rather closer to home, doesn't it? Um, The first UK soldier to die in Afghanistan was Private Darren George. He was 23 the Royal Anglian Regiment. And he was accidentally shot in the head by a ricochet when a colleague uh, had a dizzy spell while unloading his rifle. And uh, uh, Darren George died while being airlifted from Afghanistan to Amman for treatment. He was married to Sarah. They had a young child. On the 18th of March, 2011... Private Dan Pryor of the 2nd Battalion, the Parachute Regiment, died in the UK after being repatriated uh, uh, after he was caught in a bomb blast in Helmand Province. He was married to Emily. He had a three-week-old son called Logan. He had just flown back to the UK, actually, to see Logan. And when he got back to Helmand Province, there was only one topic of conversation until that day he was caught in the bomb blast. He was born in Brighton. He grew up in uh, Peacehaven. And he was 27. His uncle Stephen, after whom Private Pryor was given his middle name, died fighting for the same battalion of the Parachute Regiment in the Falklands conflict. Uncle Stephen was also 27. Real people, real families. And in each case, their CEO spoke of their sacrifice for others. For others. And today of all days, of course, we will not, we must not play down the significance of the sacrifice they have made. And that's why we have our two-minute silence here in the church, to join with those around the world as we remember.
But of course, thinking of the sacrifice of others in war, there was also the sacrifice for others that Jesus made and which we read about in this passage here. Malcolm Muggeridge wrote, Christ's death was manifestly the most famous death in history. And why was that? Well, as we turn to the Bible now, um, the writer of the book of Hebrews, he's been talking about the sacrificial system which they had before and indeed in, at, in Jesus' time, and where they would sacrifice hundreds, thousands of lambs for the sin of the people. And we see in verse 26, it's on page 1207 if you'd like to follow, but uh, towards the end of verse 26 there, it says this, um, He, that's Jesus, has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Not the sacrifice of hundreds, thousands of lambs, but the sacrifice of himself, a deliberate giving of himself for others. Jesus' death was, in essence, a death for others, a death for us. And whilst the sacrifice of, of lambs and so on took place, Time after time after time after time after time after time after time, thousands of times. The sacrifice of Jesus happened once. It's a real emphasis here in this little passage that this was a perfect sacrifice made by Jesus and he did it once. So you see at the beginning of verse 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And the lives that we remember today are many sacrifices made once, yes. Jesus' death, likewise, is a sacrifice made once. But he did it, what for? For the sin of the world. That's what you read in verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And then we'll see more about uh, that later on um, in the in this um, sermon. So today, thankfulness for the sacrifice of the many, thankfulness for the sacrifice of the one, and it was and is a sacrifice for others. The second thing we see here, and the second thing that we're remembering this morning, is uh, we're thinking about sacrifice to do away with wrongdoing and evil. Sacrifice to do away with wrongdoing and evil. So uh, let's, let's think about war, first of all. Now, the general thought is that war has a cause. We trust and hope we trust our politicians that it will be a just cause. And when there is some debate, some question about that, of course, there are questions raised, big questions raised in the media and so on. Uh, in the Second World War, a cause to remove the tyrannical evil of Hitler. In the Falklands, the cause was to take back the Falklands, wasn't it? In Afghanistan, uh, a number of reasons, but to bring peace and stability and uh, to, uh, we hope to, to help Afghanistan not become a hearth for terrorism and so on. Uh, we all know the big questions, the big questions that were asked as Allied troops pulled out and the Taliban moved in so quickly. And we know, though, that wars and armed conflicts have a purpose. 
The First World War, thought to be the war to end all wars, wasn't it? Until the Second World War. And mercifully, we haven't had a Third World War, although I have a book here, The Third World War, written in 1978, when they were thinking, it was written by uh, General Sir John Hackett, U, uh, UK general, and, uh, uh, and the theory was, you know, this is what might happen if the Russians invade across the plains of northern Germany and how it would likely escalate the Third World War. Wars seem to repeat themselves, don't they? And, uh, uh, and Afghanistan, for instance, down history, was called impossible to conquer. And we want to do away with that wrongdoing and evil, but it just seems to be really, really difficult to do so, doesn't it? And we would hope there is a good and a just cause in wars, but it, is, it just seems to be incredibly difficult to just ultimately do away with wrongdoing and evil. It seems to keep on cropping up again. And we all know that. And history tells us that, doesn't it? And yet, when you look at Jesus Christ, and when we think of the way that his sacrifice was one that actually did succeed in doing away with wrongdoing and evil, this is on a whole different scale of stuff isn't it really when you look at jesus christ's sacrifice his was a sacrifice which actually successfully will in the end and at the end of days that you see at the end of this passage in verse 28 actually will successfully drive away and remove all wrongdoing and evil from this planet and from the universe and he will do it forever so you look at verse 26 it says otherwise christ would not have had to suffer uh, many times since the creation of the world but he had appeared once for all, at the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is an extraordinary statement. He appeared once at the culmination of the ages or at the end of the ages. Because Jesus' death marked the beginning of the end of time, if you like. And he appeared once at the culmination of the ages and his aim was to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now it's plainly obvious there have been many, many wars since Jesus lived and died and rose again. And this passage actually recognizes that because it shows us that the job is not yet done. The job is not yet quite finished. And that's why it talks about at the end, it says he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin because he's done that already when he died for us on that cross of Calvary. But to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And on that final day, when Jesus returns to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That is those who put their trust in him. That is those who know that Jesus is returning. Those who know that Jesus will come back one day and we wait for that day. And I hope and I trust that uh, each morning there is some thought as we wake up, if you're a Christian believer, that you might be thinking when you wake up, it could be today when Jesus will return. Jesus' sacrifice back then on the hill of Calvary, on the cross, 
was sufficient, a once and for all sacrifice, so that all wrongdoing and evil could be removed from the universe. And that will happen one day. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no sin, no wrongdoing, and no evil ever again. That's true. That is absolutely true. There was a guy called S.W. Gandhi said this. He, hell in hell, laid low. Made sin, he sin o'erthrew. Bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. Jesus died for our wrongdoing and evil. He took the punishment for our our wrongdoing and evil, mine and yours. And he will come back one day. As we see in verse 28, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He will complete the job and take away all evil from the universe forever. No war could ever do that. No war has ever done it. And no war will ever do it. But one man dying on a cross all those years ago has achieved this extraordinary, ultimate and eternal victory of removing all evil from the universe. And one day, we will all see that. Because when Jesus returns, we will be there. If you're his, if you're waiting for his return, then you will go to be with him in all glory And for all eternity in heaven. And that can be yours. Today we remember of course and rightly so. And we focus on the sacrifice of the many. An extraordinary. We call it the ultimate sacrifice don't we. To give your life for someone else. And it's right to call it that. But in Jesus. We have if you like. You can't go beyond ultimate can you. The ultimate, ultimate sacrifice as he gave his life for us all. And to remove evil from the universe forever. So there'll be no more wars and no more conflicts and no more military person knocking on your front door to bring you the news that you've been dreading. So a sacrifice for others. A sacrifice to do away with wrongdoing and evil. And the third thing to say about this is um, a sacrifice to bring salvation. And then when we think about uh, war there, first of all, um, when we think about war or armed conflict, sadly and tragically, it does seem it, it is necessary in our broken world. But it can never bring spiritual salvation. I mean, we think of D-Day, June the 6th, 1944, and the uh, the biggest seaborne invasion in history. 
landing on those five beaches of Normandy and then the battle for Normandy which follows and there's so much armed conflict and so much loss of life and so many casualties and so on. Um, But you could say, well, actually it was the salvation of Europe from the tyranny of Hitler and co. Yes, you could say that. So you can use that word salvation. But no war has ever, ever been able to solve our spiritual problem. No war has ever been able to solve the problem, the issue that we have with with wrongdoing and evil in our world. The cause of it, if you like. War will only bring temporary relief from a specific person or regime bringing evil and wrongdoing to our world. It's never a permanent solution. It never can be a permanent solution. But it was one man and one death all those years ago who did bring the ultimate permanent for all time and for all eternity solution to the problem of human evil and sinfulness and wrongdoing. So when you think of war, it can never bring eternal salvation. One person can, though. His name is Jesus. Uh, John Stott wrote this. The essence of sin is substituting ourselves for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus died. You see, you look at the cross, you look at the cross of Christ, and actually what was happening there was we deserve to be on that cross. And Jesus took our place. In fact, Jesus was God taking our place. The offended one taking our place and bearing our punishment. Extraordinary, isn't it? And see what is achieved. It's not just, it's not just our own personal salvation, as if that were nothing insignificant. I mean, it's huge, isn't it? It is the biggest thing in your life. But actually, what he's saying here is, um, uh, that, that Jesus came not just for, for your salvation, for my salvation, but for all those who believe in him and for the eradication of evil and wickedness from this universe forever and ever. That is just, just extraordinary. And Jesus offers salvation from a world, or to a world, that's full of wrongdoing and evil. He offers us a new life because he took our place and he died our death. In 1794, the reign of terror was in full swing in Paris. And in one of the dungeons near the city center, an old man was wandering through the area where those who were waiting for the guillotine were sleeping. And as he wandered through and in the dim darkness, he was stopped short by the form of his sleeping son, who would be guillotined in the morning. And he thought, well, what can I do to save him? And he mused, well... We've got the same name. Maybe I could take his place. Well, the next morning, he, 
dad was led out to the guillotine. And uh, as he passed the guard who was taking the roll call, if you like, he said, name? And Jean de Lasserelle. And, uh, uh, and the guard said, yes, but you're not 37, you're an old man. And Jean de Lasserelle Sr. said, well, no, I'm not 37, I'm 73. There must be a mistake on the numbers. And the guard said, ah, stupid administrative error, or words to that effect. And as Jean de Lasserelle Sr. was led off to the guillotine, he changed the age on his record from 37 to 73. Well, it was soon all over. Three days later, Robespierre was executed and the reign of terror ended. Prisoners were freed and among them, Jean de Lasserelle aged 37. His dad had died in his son's place as his substitute, as his replacement in just the same way as Jesus died in our place as our substitute. That's a picture of what Jesus has done to bring us salvation. So for us today, are you thankful? Are you a Christian? Are you one of those who are waiting for Jesus' return? Are you one of those, maybe you're just wondering about this. Well, actually at the back we have a number of these little books, Why Jesus? So do take one of those if you'd like to find out more. If you're watching online, you'd like us to send you one, just get a hold of the office through the website. We'd love to send you one of these little booklets to find out more about Jesus. But for us today, on this Remembrance Sunday, we just simply want to say thank you. Thank you to the great God who has died for us. Thank you for the great God who made the sacrifice for others. Who made the sacrifice to do away with wrongdoing and evil forever. And has made the sacrifice to bring salvation. Has he brought salvation to you? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, please, would you help us to take the action that you need us to take to respond to this wonderful, wonderful gift of salvation for your name's sake. Amen.